Americans are capable of achieving extraordinary things when they have the freedom and opportunity to do so. This is American Potential, and here's your host, Jeff Crank. All right, well, welcome to another edition of American Potential. We've got a great story about someone breaking a barrier, a government-imposed barrier, and government actually helped them break the barrier. It's going to be a great discussion on this week's episode. I do have to tell you, I'm I had something happen to me this last week and it's it's annoyed me. And maybe it's a generational thing. I gotta tell you, and look, and I don't want to be the guy like, listen, these young whippersnappers, they're doing you. I, I don't want to be that guy. But I do want to give a little bit of millennial advice. If you're a millennial, I maybe this is a millennial thing. I'm gonna ask Matt. Matt's a millennial, so maybe I can ask Matt this question. But so the other day, earlier this last week, I was supposed to have somebody who was supposed to call me. They said they were going to call me. And like the week goes by and they didn't, they hadn't called, I never got a voicemail from them. And I'm like, well, I guess they never called me. So they text me and say, hey, are we ever going to talk? And I'm like, well, I thought you were going to call me. I never saw you call. And you know what they said? They literally said, well, I did. I, I called you on Monday. And so I go back through my phone and I look and it's a number I don't even know. And it's a missed call. They didn't leave a voicemail. This is apparently a thing now that millennials do not. Is this right, Matt? Do millennials not leave voicemails? That millennials absolutely do not leave voicemails. They do not. Okay. Why? Let me ask you. I mean, why would that be? If you want someone to call you back, and I'm just giving you a tip if you are a millennial, if you want someone to call you back, leave a voicemail. Do you agree, Matt? Uh, I I would agree. I would agree. But the okay. problem the problem is millennials can text now. Okay, so so they <laughs> so and and I see this a lot. Not just uh, and you're not you're not talking about me, right? right. No, I'm kidding. no, I'm not talking <laughs> I'm about kidding. you. Yeah. Uh, no, but uh, I've seen this. So instead of leaving a voicemail, you know, hey, give me a call back at this time. Here's my number. All of that stuff. They would just prefer. Okay, I just had something quick for you. I'm just going to text you. Hey, called you. Uh, give me a call back whenever. Yeah. Um, though I think I think this person you're talking about them not at least texting you back, letting you know that they did try to call. That's still unforgivable. Well, you what, can't you can't do that. But what is the point of having voicemails if you're not going to use voicemail? Like, aren't aren't millennials supposed to be like the tech kings? Or everything is about tech to them. Well, you know, one thing that I will <laughs> say that I I like this feature. Um. A lot of phones now will transcribe your your voicemails yeah, automatically. Right, so, right. and when I get a voicemail, I tend to just read the transcription instead of actually listening to it. So, I guess in that sense, you could have just texted me. Yeah. Well, and look, I, I don't want to be the old cranky old guy just saying, "Look, if you want me to call you back, you better leave me a voicemail." But if you do want me to call you back, you better leave me a voicemail. No, look, if you say you're going to like, I was like, "What am I supposed to do? Just go through here?" and look at all the missed calls, like go through every missed call of every number. I don't, I don't have in my phone. It's just, you know, a, a, this area code and this number. And I look at that. Am I supposed to call them back and go, Hey, I saw that you called, you know, what were you trying to leave? Just leave a voicemail. Is this that hard, Matt? Come on. Uh, you know, you know, I'll, I'll give it to you. It is at least easier saying the voice, like speaking, than it is to to type it out on a text. I don't know, but actually, some millennials might find it easier to text than than it actually but speak. Here's the know. thing: it doesn't matter what's easier. Let's just do what you 
you know, like what you said you were going to do. I'm going to give you a call. That means leave a voicemail. Just if you look, if you call somebody, leave a voicemail for them. If you text them, then don't. Okay. All right. Enough. Thank you, Matt. I just wanted to know if it was me. Get your generation going on this. Would you start a campaign? Do something. Get a website. Do something, Matt. I'll I'll leave a voicemail. (laughs) All right. All right. Thank you, Matt. That's great. All right. Well, on today's podcast, we're going to talk about how the effects of one state senator reading a a news article was able to get a bill passed that cut 30% of the state's regulations, but also motivated someone to get more involved with talking to lawmakers. Ohio State Senator Christina Regner was reading a news article and saw that Ohio ranked 43rd in states that CEOs would want to locate their business. At the time, Ohio had over 246,000 regulations of code, which meant it was inhibiting economic opportunities. So she introduced a bill that would cut 30% of regulation over the next three years, 10% each year. And after the bill was passed, a website was set up for business owners and individuals to submit regulations that personally affected them. Today's guest is a business owner who used the website to submit an issue he was having and, to his surprise, had someone contact him the very next day to get it resolved. I want to welcome Brad Gibson, who is the owner of Gibson Electrical, uh, and he's going to talk about his business and the experience he had with using the website. Brad, thanks for joining us. How are you? Terrific. Thank you. How are you? Well, I'm good. You know, we we talk about all of the the, the government barriers that get set up in it, it, across the country. Sometimes it's the federal government. Sometimes it's the state government. Sometimes it's local. And we love talking to people who are able to help remove some of those barriers. And what a great idea this state senator had in Ohio to do this and to reduce regulation and to set a goal to, to get it reduced 10% a year for three years. Um, were you surprised, first and foremost, were, you must have been really surprised when someone called you the very next day. I'm sure that shocked you, right? Yeah, I, um, I didn't really know what to expect. I was like, oh, this is, this is awesome. I can, you know, because you don't know who to, you know, the government sometimes feels like it's so big, you don't know where to start, right? Right. So I just uh, basically pulled up the website, typed in my issue that I was having. I hit send and... I was like, okay, well, you know, see where this goes. And like, I was very surprised when I got a call from the person. I just, they were just like, how can I help you, Mr. Gibson? <laughs> it's like, <laughs> I'm from the government well, and I'm here to help you. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it, it's a pleasant surprise. Um, you got to get to the right person talking through the, the items that we needed to address and, and uh, got an immediate result. So it was, um, you know, as far as uh, specifics, you know, my, my son, when we got my start, my son was still in high school mm-hmm. and, you know, it's been kind of a, the second generation is kind of how, I don't want to say since birth, but it's been his lifelong interest as far as, you know, doing electrical and electrical engineering. So he had graduated from Ohio State University in electrical engineering and had worked for an engineer, a couple of engineers, whether it be through intern or you know, through, through his job. And then, 
you know, once the, you know, uh, timing got right and through COVID and stuff, a lot of things changed in his world. And, and uh, you know, we had got our start way back when I was just doing just me and residential, like back, way back, 2000. And then we created this business, 2008, incorporated it, and uh, he's come on board. And th the rules say that if something was to happen to me, because now we have somewhere between 40 to 48 people-ish. Um, so it's, you know, several people that we have our lives, you know, they're, they're, when they work for us, you know, our, their lives are in, in our hands, right? So, right? As far as their livelihoods and stuff, right? And... I was at one of my continuing eds where we had to go each year and get our CEs to to uh, continue to have our license and update on new code changes and stuff. And it was told to me, and for some reason I didn't never knew this, that if something happened to me and I passed away, there would be, there's a 90-day period that they can pull permits and operate the company. And... After that, you had to find someone that was a licensed holder to use their license. But then there's also the, the thing to where you can't sell your license. So they would actually they have to be part of the company to where they would have to assign their license to this company. And typically in Ohio, if you're a license holder, you're... You do that so you can pull permits. You're, you're a business owner. You have your own business. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm sure there are exceptions, but most of the time that, that is the, that's the rules. So we had submitted for my son to be able to test. So that way, if something happened to me, the company would be able to go on. And uh, there were certain criterias or whatever. You know, you submit this packet and the board meets and, and then they make a decision where they had uh, made a decision against that. Uh, he wasn't able to t take the test. So mm. I kind of explained the situation. Once I got the phone call after using the website right. to the right person, they called me. We had the conversation and she looked back over the information and said, okay, give me uh, these few other things. Uh, and we resubmitted that to her and she said, okay, he's approved to take the test. And you know, it, it was just a, it took a conversation with the right person uh, and now, now he's able to set for the test and be able to do that to where yeah. now, if something was to happen, the company would go on, all these people's jobs are secured, you know, and not only that, the customers, and we have an obligation to our customers that, uh, we are contracted to finish their work and on time on budget. So, you know, that really throws a hiccup in it if something was to happen. So yeah, I really was surprised, pleasantly surprised, uh, how the, how the website worked for me. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm sure you were. First of all, I, if you're, my mother-in-law is a, an Ohio State a Buckeye, so I won't ask you to sing the Buckeye battle cry, uh, it, it, even though that would thrill her to death. I won't give her that pleasure, but um, congratulations on, on, on your son uh, getting the degree there. I, I know it's uh, the Ohio State University, as they like to say, right? The Ohio State University. Yeah, that, well, that's what anytime you're in a crowd, no matter what state you're in, you can just say OH, and I'm sure somebody will respond IO, so... <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Exactly. Well, um, where's the Buckeyes? That's uh, right. Anyway, that's right. Um, well, and and you you're really right to point out here that you know your business you have you have employees that their livelihood depends on this, and this was a, a situation that if something were to happen to you, could put their their livelihood in jeopardy. And as you mentioned, your customers and all. So it seems like some of this regulation or these decisions are written by people who don't 
take that into account. There may be the regulators who don't really think through that kind of stuff. And so this was really quite an opportunity for you to to look at this. I mean, I'm sure you're very glad that it turned out the way that it did. How did you find out about the bill that uh, Senator Regner uh, introduced and and what did you think about it when when you when you saw that? So my uh, uh, son-in-law Kyle Miller uh, works for American Pros- for Prosperity mm-hmm. uh, in Ohio, in the Ohio region, and um, he was talking to me about it because I we, we obviously we talk and I was like, well, I had this situation, and he knows you know about the business and stuff, and he's like, well, I know a senator, you know, and just the conversation started and 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 about the bill and stuff, and you know, I kiddingly was like. Well, this thing needs to be put on the radio. This needs to be advertised so everybody, you know, knows this thing's out there um, because it's effective. I mean, I think that her vision um, is really helping the state as a whole, um, and and small business owners and people that you know want to have that voice. So, but that's how I found out about it is through Kyle Miller and Americans for Prosperity. So. Um, but then, and I also got the privilege, you know, once, uh, once I did that, I got to speak with her uh, over video chat and, and, uh, it was, it was nice to be able to meet her and put a face to the, the name. I and mean, you always see their names on there, but you never actually, you know, get to meet them or interact. So that was also uh, an honor that I, uh, you know, was able to do. So. Right. Right. And you just used, did you use the website? Is that what you did was just go to their website and submitted your, your concern? Yeah, it was very. It was it was crazily simple. I mean, it was just <laughs> I pulled up the website and you type your you know contact information so they can contact you and just say this is my issue, send. Wow. And I was like, well, you know, because we're used to the government taking a while, right? There's a lot of <laughs> sure. cool red tape. <laughs> it's funny, um, but anyway. So the the what floored me and the reason I talk about it all the time to anybody that'll listen is because of the quick response and being able to, not because I got a favorable resolution necessarily. That's not what I mean. I'm, I'm saying even if the answer was no, at least I got to talk to the person and we had a conversation. But the it was just a quick response. It was the professionalism behind, you know, the how the lady approached me. It was like, oh, I understand you have a problem, Mr. Gibson. How am I willing to help? I'm the person you need to talk to. So, you know, I just... Uh, I, I'm really appreciative of it because it sounds it's such a simple thing. It's just anybody can go on there and do it. And I would encourage people to, you know, locate the exact website and how you can do it. I'm sure that if you do a search through a search engine or something like that, that you can find it very, very easily. And it is a very, very simple process. And, you know, firsthand experience says it is effective um, to be able to at least get to the person that you need to. Yeah. And I think in Ohio, I think it is uh cut red tape dot Ohio dot gov is what I, what I was, uh, what I have here. Cut red tape dot Ohio dot gov is, is the website, which, you know, that's great. I wish every state and every government had had kind of a similar situation that, that this could happen. So at, you got contacted the next day. I want to understand the timeline here too, because it is remarkable. Frankly, that you got, you know, a lot of people put stuff in a website to the government and they never, they never think anybody ever looks at mm-hmm. it or, 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 or sees it. You got contacted the next day, but then how long did it take for, for them to actually resolve the issue and get back to you and say, hey, here's how it's been resolved. Your son can go ahead and do this. Um, 
So it would have been the file we we spoke, I believe, on a Thursday or Friday, and by that Tuesday, she called, she emailed me and said he's in. Wow! And then the packet came right out. That's just. I mean, it was. I mean, it's it's amazing, but I mean, maybe we we'd already st- they, she already had a packet. I didn't have to send her stuff too much stuff, but still, the the response compared to the the anguish that I was going through before, there, I realized there was a website. You know, the the months and months and months and the stress. I'm like, you know, once I found that out, I was like, this is top priority. You know, we need to have another license here. So very prompt. I mean, less than a week we had resolution. So. Yeah. Well, that's just, that's incredible. It's uh, it's great to hear that that government can be responsive when it, when it wants to be. And it, you know, kudos to this state Senator who decided that this was important enough uh, to, to do and think of all the other people. I mean, this is your story is just one story. There's probably many, many others where this red tape was, was cut through very quickly. How much time do you think this saved you and your son? Well, hours and hours of, I mean, I don't even know how to quantify it. It's a, it's a, what we wouldn't, we weren't getting anywhere. So it's, it's hard to, uh, to know if we would have ever got resolution. I mean, it could have t- taken based off what they were asking for. It could have took another two, three years um, to be able to, if I just would have took it for face value and not had a discussion behind it to help the her understand, you know, where we were coming from and why this situation was the way it was. And we started to, it wasn't like there was, this was a special favor. We started to provide documentation, but it was the narrative because you're not in the board meetings when they're talking about an individual. It was the narrative behind, oh, this is why I feel that you're not correct in this particular, for instance. And, after we talked through it, it was immediate. So, I mean, it saved years, ultimately. I mean, if I just wouldn't have had to be able to do that, you know, with the website. Yeah. Well, what's remarkable about this, and I would I would just encourage if there's state legislators in other states that are listening, or if you're a business owner in another state and you're hearing this story and you think, man, this could happen in my state, I encourage you to uh, contact Americans for Prosperity. Uh, you can contact me directly at jeff at AmericanPotential.com and I'll get you connected to the right person who can who can help you in your state maybe get a similar law like this passed so that there would be a, a similar effort in your state and you know get some of this red tape reduced in your state as well. And if you're a state legislator listening to this or the governor, I don't know how many governors we have listening to the podcast, but I'm sure if you if you're listening to this, why not do this? Make it easier for your state to to be one of those states that 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 businesses want to grow in and and start up in and and things like that. Now, uh, Brad, you've become uh, you've gotten involved with the independent electrical contractors. So what what do they do, and why do you think it's important for you to to join them and to work with them? So the um, IEC um, is where we do the apprenticeship programs for our, you know, the guys that go in at level one, you know, right off the street, even sometimes, um, and then go all the way through to get their uh, journeyman certificate. You know, they do the four-year, you know, equivalent, you know, a four-year degree, if you will, um, and then have their equivalents of their on-the-job training of 8,000 hours and their register of state um, as a journeyman electrician. So 
they're, they're and they do safety training. They, I mean, there, there's all there's a there's all kinds of stuff. There's there's so many facets to the the be part of the organization, um, getting to know the other uh, independent uh, electrical contractor owners and stuff like that, just to um, understand where they're coming from, their stories and who they are, and just to kind of have some unity there. Um, it's it's been really it's been very beneficial to us. We, I think we started, oh, probably four years ago. Um, cause we started, we, we were with another organization, um, before we switched strictly to the IEC. But, um, the last couple of years, we've really been involved, uh, a lot more heavily when, uh, you know, they have, um, I don't know, they, it's just, once you understand that there's opportunity there and the support structure there, then you continue to use it more and more. So our safety lady uses it. Our HR lady uses it. I mean, just, you know, we're involved with, uh, you know, events that they, they put on and help with. Um, there's just so many, you know, we've talked to legislators on behalf of IEC. I personally was, uh, they allowed me to go along with um, and meet um, Senator Michelle Reynolds in her office so that was quite a quite an honor privilege to meet her really nice lady um so there's just those all those opportunities that they have you know and and us being a merit based shop that's um it's just it fits our thinking when it comes to apprentices because we not only are they learning to be electricians we're all in the in the same mind of we're building young men and women um out there as far as to be productive to be good at their craft you know per, 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 to perfect their craft because you know people don't really look at this sometimes but the tradesmen are professional installers in their no matter what trade it is they're a professional installer this is their profession mm -hmm. they're perfecting their perfection and their craft right so and in their home life and things like that, just taking the whole individual and making them better and giving them opportunity to be better uh, and have a support structure in doing all that. Because it's not easy to raise a family, you know, be a mother or father, a husband, go to school after working, you know, all day long and then turn around and going to school consistently, uh, depending on whether you're part of the accelerated program or the regular program there. It's a huge commitment. And uh and it is a straining on relationships. So, you know, helping with that situation is what I believe the IEC is very good at. So, right. Yeah. Right. Now you, you've also, I think through IEC and others, you started to talk to lawmakers about other potentially other issues yes. uh, through the association that electrical contractors, uh, you know, have that, that come up. What, what's some of the other things that you'd like to see changed in Ohio that you think would help your business? Well, um, I I don't believe um, that there's been other side to a coin. There's always been the merit-based shop and the union shops. And then basically mm -hmm. it's only been like a one-sided conversation. But as far as um, based off of what I've seen and the limited knowledge that I have, um, you know, based off of that, I know that we have a lot of voters and we have a lot of apprentices. We have a lot of, you know, we do the same trainings. We are, you know, our young men are, uh, you know, just as qualified as the other side. 
when they come out, they're both registered journeymen with the state. They both have 8,000 hours. It's an accredited apprenticeship program. But I don't believe lawmakers are aware um, of the market share uh, that the independents have, um, you know, as as a collective group. So um, I, I don't. I, I'm afraid to quote uh, percentages, but uh, I know that it's um, it's somewhere around the eighty to eighty six percent of the market share. If you took the number of independents, you know, versus the other side, so. I think educating mm-hmm. them on there is alternatives and that, you know, when they're introducing a bill uh, or, you know, legislation or amendments to bills that it's affecting m- more than one group of people. And I just think that it's important for them to be aware of both sides of the coin. That way they can make an informed decision because uh, everybody right. that I've met and I, I, I'm not a political guy <laughs> as far as a guru or anything, I, you know, this, this, these are, you know, people that I respect of what they do in the office, but um, everybody seems very reasonable when I meet them. They just don't know. Mm-hmm. They're not, they're not informed. So I think that's, that's right. one of the major things that the IEC is, is, uh, is helping out with and really leading the charge on is to the other side of the coin. Right. And I don't believe, I think Ohio is not a right to work state. It'd be, you know, that would probably be something too, that, you know, if Ohio became a right to work state yes. where we can allow people to decide whether they want to join a union or not join a union, but it's, it, there's not a forced joining of a union based on, on where you work. Uh, any thoughts on that? So the right to work, um, you know, I, I guess what I'll say is it, it troubles me that uh, the collective bargaining can happen to where, you know, I'm the one that is taking all the risk and building the business. And, and we treat our guys very well. I mean, we merit-based, let's, let's take merit-based. Merit-based is if we have a guy that has less experience versus a guy that's been in the industry 20 or 30 years, that guy doesn't have to be paid on a set scale. He gets paid on merit. Mm-hmm. He gets paid based off of his um how he's producing the his self-sacrifice i mean everything when it comes to him being able to you know pave his own path versus a you know when you have a set scale and or you have people that are are not performing like they should and it takes um many hours to try to get rid of someone because they're protected in so many different ways they, they, they're not encouraged to produce anymore. They're just kind of riding the train, you know. So I really mm-hmm. enjoy the fact of the, the merit-based shops um, to where we're, we're paying our guys on merit. We're, we're paying our guys on performance, and we're not strict to these, to these rules. Now, the other thing that I'll say that a lot of uh, people aren't aware of and part of the message from the IEC is that we are um, – competitive when it when it comes to when it comes to a, a wage or uh fairness we listen to our guys we have feedback from our guys we encourage feedback so we are you know creating an environment that is um pr- produces people to want to do better you know to want to perfect their craft right. so and 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 they're paid you know the, the similar benefits uh in many many ways i know that we um 
you know, have this, this this checklist that we go through to make sure that we're, you know, being fair to everyone. Because my philosophy and a lot of the philosophies of the people that I've, you know, been in contact with is is it's it's not all about the the business or the business owner. It's it's a it's a family type of environment. You know, people look at it as that's just not a number. That I know that guy. I know his wife. I know his kids. <laughs> I know he's getting ready to have a baby. You know, it's just, and it doesn't right. matter whether these people have 100, 300 electricians, whatever, or, you know, 40 like we do. Um, it's just one of those situations to where we're looking at individuals and paying based off the, their, their merit. So, Right. Yeah. Well, and that's important. Uh, and again, it's about worker worker freedom. And, right. and allowing workers to decide for themselves uh, as well what they what they want to be a part of. Brad, thank you so much. I mean, first of all, thanks for for getting involved here and seeing that. I mean, I think a lot of people would see a website like that and say, "Well, that's just a bunch of nonsense." I'm not, government's never going to answer me. You took the time to do it, and you you were very pleasantly surprised by the quick response that you got, and not only a quick response, but it but but they solved your problem. Which which was great, and so so I want to thank you for that, um, and uh, thanks for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Okay. So you know, I would say if you're in Ohio, cut red tape. Ohio.gov is where you should where you should go and uh, find if you know a regulation that could be cut or a, an impediment to your progress as a business, uh, go ahead and and uh, submit that. If you live in another state, as I said, talk to your state representative to try and get a similar law like this passed. You can also email me. I'll get you hooked up with Americans for Prosperity and your state chapter who can help you uh, work on that. Uh, send me an email, jeff at americanpotential.com, jeff at americanpotential.com, and I will get you hooked up and hopefully you guys will be good partners with Americans for Prosperity. Hey, thanks for connecting with us. You can continue to subscribe to our channel on YouTube. You can connect with us on Facebook, on Twitter. And if you know of a great story of someone that's working on expanding freedom and opportunity that we should share on this podcast, be sure to go to our website, AmericanPotential.com and fill out the uh, share your story section. So hope that you uh, you will do that. Thanks for listening to another edition of American Potential. Thank you for listening to American Potential. You may listen to more stories from Americans working every day to expand freedom and opportunity in their communities by visiting AmericanPotential.com.